This is the Public News Service Daily Newscast, March 23, 2022. I'm Roz Brown. President Biden heads to Europe today to confer with NATO allies, deciding how best to help Ukraine resistance as the Russian invasion nears the one-month mark. Historic nominee Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson is halfway through her Supreme Court confirmation hearings, and the Affordable Care Act turns 12 today. About one-third of Americans were uninsured before Obamacare, with medical emergencies the most common cause of bankruptcy. Now it's a bit over 8%. Lily Bulky has more. Ann Wilson with the group Consumers for Affordable Healthcare notes that the ACA not only benefited those who have enrolled in marketplace plans, but outlined essential health benefits that all insurers are required to cover, such as prescription drugs, laboratory tests, and access to mental health services, to name a few. Before the ACA, you never knew whether or not the drug you needed or the lab test you needed or some of the mental or physical health services that you needed were actually covered by your plan. Staff burnout among healthcare workers was a major problem even before the pandemic, according to the National Academy of Medicine, and about 20% of caregivers have left since then. But conditions may be improving. Caregivers at an Oregon Planned Parenthood have approved their first union contract. Eric Tegetoff has more. About 60 workers at Planned Parenthood of Southwestern Oregon are members of Service Employees International Union Local 49 and have agreed on a three-year contract. Lindsay is a healthcare assistant at the facility who was part of the bargaining team. She says the push to unionize began during COVID, when many people ended up working from home. It has been really frustrating, really empowering, really rewarding, really exhausting. And of course, the biggest, most joyful part was upon ratification. Many of us were in tears about it. Workers will receive a 15% pay increase when the contract is settled and annual across-the-board raises. It also guarantees an $18 per hour minimum wage. Other benefits include paid employee insurance premium coverage and matching retirement contributions. On the other side of the country, nurses at Champlain Valley Physicians Hospital in Plattsburgh have been working without a contract for two years, and they're urging hospital administration to come to the table to negotiate. Lily Bulky reports. Members of the New York State Nurses Association at CVPH include not only registered nurses, but also pharmacists, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, nutritionists, and laboratory staff, among others. Emergency room RN at CVPH, Liz Craigmile, says in the last decade, the nurses' pension, morale among workers, and standards of care at the hospital have been slowly disintegrating. We're trying to negotiate a contract that includes safe staffing, fair pay, and, you know, the benefits that we currently have continuing. It's never a good idea to stretch nursing at the bedside so thin. Safe standards exist for a reason. This is PNS. Wisconsin lawmakers took the next step to close and replace two controversial youth prisons, Lincoln Hills and Copper Lake. Advocates hope the move signals a new approach to youth justice. Jonah Chester has details. The bill allocates nearly $42 million to construct a new high-security facility in Milwaukee County. Erica Nelson with the advocacy group Kids Forward says the new facility should be counterbalanced with community investments to keep kids out of the system. Nelson says she hopes by reducing admissions to the prison, it eventually will lose its high security designation. Make prevention, intervention, and diversion as much of a priority for our youth as building a new facility. Governor Tony Evers has indicated that he'll likely sign the measure. 
A new report from the Sentencing Project indicates that kids in the U.S. were locked up in juvenile facilities nearly 250,000 times in 2019. Report author Josh Rovner says locking kids up, even briefly, can have long-term consequences. For one, there's self-harm. Children are at a much higher risk of suicide having been detained. Not surprisingly, kids who are detained are much less likely to graduate from high school. In North Dakota, stakeholders say the state is moving in the right direction. Mike Moen reports. The U.S. has made progress in reducing youth incarceration, but there are still issues with confinement. In North Dakota, stakeholders feel the state is on the right path after adopting reforms, while also offering a cautionary note. The report from the Sentencing Project argues that while there's been a decade-long drop in detention, too many youths are detained while their case is heard. That report looked at national data. Last year, North Dakota approved sweeping juvenile justice reforms. Terry Trainer, who chairs a key state advisory group, feels there will be better outcomes with the state no longer lumping all cases in the same legal definition basket. We have different expectations on what's going to happen with these kids as they move through the system. The changes also call on North Dakota to use more risk and assessment tools. The trainer feels the state should ensure there are enough community-level resources so that these kids get the help they need to avoid future encounters with law enforcement. He says not all areas have enough mental health and other treatment services in a least restrictive environment. Travis Fink with the North Dakota Commission on Legal Counsel for Indigents agrees that additional resources are key to making these reforms successful. Another provision says all youths are entitled to legal counsel no matter parental income. Fink says anecdotally his team is seeing more case assignments, which actually bodes well. The more likely counsel is to be there, the less likely detention is to continue just because there is an attorney there who can assist that child. This is Roz Brown for Public News Service. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.